This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Baptist Church. Welcome to Living the Bible Together. We would love for you to visit our church located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information, visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Good evening. This evening's Bible study will come from Acts chapter 2, verse 14, and then verses 22 through 32. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for another opportunity for us to be able to learn more about you and your word, God. We just pray that you open our hearts and minds that we may hear from you, Lord, that we may allow your your word to penetrate our hearts, Lord, and draw us closer to you and each other, that we allow your word to give us the holy boldness, Lord, and that we walk in the power in which you have given us. We need you. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. The scripture reads, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Going down to Acts 2, 22 through 32. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses. The book of Acts is a sequel to Luke's gospel. The Acts is also written to Theophilus, just as Luke was. Luke was concerned with getting the facts out about some things that were previously taught to Theophilus. He wanted Theophilus to be certain about what he had learned. 
Now, Luke, he was a physician. So as you can imagine, he was very careful in looking for detail and also in his documentation. So he wanted to give an orderly account of what was previously told to them and what he had investigated. The book of Acts, it serves as a bridge that links the gospel narratives and the epistles. Luke's gospels, it dealt with all that Jesus had began to do from the beginning until the ascension. And then in Acts tells how salvation is for both Jew and Gentile, as well as Acts telling of the birth of the church, the spread of the gospel and the beginnings of congregations. Acts also, it gives some basic principles that are applied to specific situations uh, in the context of problems and persecutions. And these are uh, situations in which we can apply to our lives today. So in the start of chapter two of Acts, the disciples, they were positioned where Jesus had told them to be positioned from Acts chapter one. When suddenly the gift in which they were anticipating and needing suddenly appeared, they began speaking in tongues as the spirit enabled them. The text tells us that the day of Pentecost had fully come. This year was different than the previous years in which they celebrated. Now, at that particular time, there were God-fearing Jews from every nation that were there in Jerusalem because this was a time um, in which ancient Israel called the Feast of Weeks. It was held, uh, the Feast of Weeks, which was held at the end of the wheat harvest. So all of the Jews were there and they were there to celebrate. This was something that they had done yearly. And so this year, something different took place. Uh, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost celebrated, celebrated seven weeks after Passover. The focus was the first fruits of the wheat harvest as well as the giving of the Torah. Um, Israelite men traveled to Jerusalem to appear before God with their own individual first fruit uh, offerings from their own harvest. Um, in addition to that, the celebration was a reminder of their covenant with God. Uh, Moses was given the Torah on Mount Sinai seven weeks after the Exodus. So the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost was celebrated seven weeks after Passover. And then uh, Moses was given the Torah on Mount Sinai seven weeks after the Exodus. So what we have here, um, we have our we have Israelites that were accustomed to coming to Jerusalem for this celebration. However, this year it took a turn. There was a shift that had taken place. The Jews that were in Jerusalem were seeing and hearing something that they had never before experienced or seen. It left some bewildered. They could not understand how they were able to hear these Galilean men in their own native language. And then we had others of them that were amazed and perplexed, and they questioned one another on the meaning of what was going on. But then you had some too that made fun of them and they made the comment that they were drunk. But what we see happening here is we see a move of God that has taken place and not everyone was uh, able to understand what was going on. You see, although everyone had eyes to see and ears to hear, they didn't see or hear the move of God that, or they didn't understand the move of God that was taking place. 
Additionally, we must understand that a move of God does not look the same for everyone. Everyone does not know when God is moving. We can see a move of God. We can be close to a move of God and still be unaware that it is a move of God. Now, if we recall Acts 1.8 states, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let's think about that for a moment. Be my witness. To be a witness means to testify on behalf of another for what they have seen. So I would testify on behalf of you on what I saw you do. And so it's not what they heard, but it was actually what they have seen. And so in order for them to be a witness for Jesus, they had to testify to what they saw him do. But they couldn't do that until they received the power. So get this, this is a teachable moment that the 11 had, because remember they were called to be witnesses and they were waiting on the power from the Holy Spirit, which they had received. So now was the time for them to be witnesses for Jesus. They understood the move of God because Jesus had already communicated to them what was going to happen. And they had that understanding. There was also things that Jesus had done back then that people didn't understand, although they saw but yet we have here the the 12 they understood they knew what was going on and so now they had a teachable moment they had the opportunity to be a witness for Jesus for what was going on here which leads us to verse 14 of Acts 2 it says then Peter stood up with the 11 raised his voice and addressed the crowd fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, remember, there were some that said that uh, the disciples were drunk. They didn't understand what what was going on. And so they said that they were drunk. But by them being able to stand up, it should have gave evidence to those that accused them of being drunk that they weren't drunk. Um, When you're typically drunk, you're typically not uh, able to stand straight up and you're definitely not able to speak clearly in order for somebody to uh, listen to you carefully. But they stood up to display, number one, that they weren't drunk, but also standing up display their authority and their position in teaching. By them standing up, attention was to be focused on them. And he spoke to them in the matter saying, fellow Jews, he addressed them to let them know that once they stood up, he was talking to them. He, he equated himself with them by saying fellow Jews. He didn't speak to them in a manner that was belittling to them, but he spoke to them in a manner in which he was connecting himself to them. And so he wanted them not just to listen, not just to hear him, not just to listen, but to listen carefully. When we're listening carefully, all attention is where it needs to be. He wanted all attention to be on the, on him because he was getting ready to explain to them what was going on. He wanted them to have an understanding just as they had an understanding. And so he says to them, let me explain this to you. Listen to me carefully. Listen to what I say. You see, Peter was God's mouthpiece in chaos. 
Although all of that stuff was going on and people had differences of opinions, Peter still knew what they were called to do. They knew the intention that God has set on their or the, the goal that God had for them to do. And so that that is what they were going to do. And so he knew that he was supposed to be God's mouthpiece. And regardless of what was going on around him, Peter stood up to address the issue. Another thing to to point out here is that he wasn't self-righteous. He approached them in a way in which they'd listen. He didn't look down on them because they didn't understand what was going on. He didn't judge them because they didn't understand what was going on. He didn't think more highly of himself because they didn't understand what was going on. Because remember, although he had been close to Jesus uh, later, and although uh, he had received this gift and he was speaking on behalf of Jesus now, remember he denied Jesus three times. So he had not always been in the position in which he was in now. And so we have to remember that we may be more advanced than some people and we may have a a better understanding of what God is doing and the moves of God and different things like that. But we also have to remember where we were. And so when we are called to be witnesses, when we are witnessing to other, we have to remember that uh, we are no better than anyone else. And so he spoke to them in a manner in which they were able to receive what he was going to have to say. And so we have to remember that uh, uh, he approached them in a way that was healthy. He approached them in a way that he wanted them to get it. And so we have to remember that. And that's one of the things that I really like about this because the text shows us that Peter did have his issues and he did uh, fall short, but Jesus didn't wipe him away. God didn't wipe him away. He still gave him another opportunity. He gave him an opportunity to be a witness for him. And so sometimes people have so much shame about things that they have done wrong and and different things that they struggle with. But with Jesus, he's always there to wipe away that guilt and that shame. But sometimes we need to be that witness to people to let them know that 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 is available to them, that Jesus will do that for them. And so I love the fact that it shows Peter talking here and Peter standing up and addressing the people and Peter being the witness because it previously showed us that he had denied Jesus three times. Amen. So looking at verse 22, it says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. So again, Peter, he spoke with authority, but he was speaking to them on their level. They didn't understand what was taking place when the Holy Spirit came, but as he's talking to them now, attempting to uh, explain to them what's going on, he's speaking to them on a level in which they can understand. Again, he addresses them with fellow Israelites, meaning we have something in common. We are in this together. I have a connection with you. I am not above you. I am not disconnected from you, but we are in this together. And he's addressing them as fellow Israelites. Listen to this. He's addressing them in the way that they will want to listen. He's addressing them in a way that they won't feel ashamed for not knowing, that they won't feel ashamed for jumping to conclusions, that they will not uh, feel ashamed for just being there and having seen things that Jesus has done, but still not know. 
And so he's addressing them in a way to where they will listen to them. He's on their level. He has brought it down to their level. And then he addresses them. He addresses Jesus in a way that they would understand it. He says, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And so they knew him as Jesus of Nazareth. And then he lets him know that, look, he didn't come in his own power. He was authorized by God. But not only was he authorized by God, but God authorized him to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. And you saw all of this. So now he has, he's reminding them of who Jesus was, who God said he was, and what they saw Jesus previously had done. Sometimes we need to be reminded of things that Jesus has done in the past. Sometimes we need to be reminded of things that Jesus has done in our lives in the past in order to get an understanding of what is going on today. And so he's reminding them that, hey, you you remember this. You all, you were witnesses to his miracle signs and wonders. So you shouldn't be surprised by this because, look, remember when he talked about that? Remember when he did this? And so sometimes we are going through struggles today and we have to remind ourselves, do you remember when he brought you through back then? It was only by the grace of God. It was only by a supernatural act that you were able to get through this. It was only by a supernatural act that you were able to get past that hurdle. It was only by a supernatural act that you are saved today. And so sometimes we have to remind ourselves and remind others of what Jesus has previously done for us in order for us to get a better understanding of where we are today. Because, you know, sometimes the life can just come. It just comes at you fast. Everything happens and you just begin to forget about everything. The only thing that we are paying attention to are those negative things, the negative things that's going on in the world, the negative things that's going on in our life, the negative things that's going on in our mind. But if we begin to reprogram our life, if we begin to reprogram our mind to those things in which the word of God speaks to, those things in which we look back over our life and see See what God has brought us over when we begin to reprogram those things, reprogram our minds and, and think about those good things. We'll recognize that God is still and has always been in control. And so he's speaking to them with authority, but he's speaking to them on their level because, again, he's the witness of Jesus. He's not a witness of himself. He's not a witness of the other 11, but he's a witness for Jesus Christ. And we always have to remember that we are witnesses of Jesus. We are called to witness the gospel. And so we have to be kind. We have to be compassionate. We have to be uh, willing to serve and we have to be willing to reach those that may not understand. And we have to be willing to do it in a humble way because Jesus was humble. Amen. So in verse 23, it says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So again, he's still reminding them, reminding them of the past. He's reminding them that Jesus is, Jesus was sacrificed, but his sacrifice was a part of God's plan. Remember, it was it was a part of God's plan. It says uh, he was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. So God knew that this was going to happen. They weren't just able to take him because they wanted to. But God allowed him to even with the help of wicked men. God allowed them to. He gave up his son. He devoted his son to uh, for us. 
And so although the wicked men assisted, there were two different types of motives that were going on here. You see, God's motive was to save the world. It was to reconcile humanity back to him. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son so that we can be reconciled back to him. The motives of the wicked men was to put an end to Jesus. They wanted to put an end to the work in which Jesus was doing here on earth. So God's motive was to save sinners and reconcile man back to him. And the motives of the wicked men, they were fighting against God. They wanted to persecute the one that God had chosen. They were trying to put an end to to Jesus because they felt that they were in control. And so this here, it, it, it shows us God's plan. It shows us God's divinity. And then it also shows us humanity. It shows us human responsibility. Our motives are not the same. So although God may allow some things, God always has a plan. Our hearts and our motives will always display who we are rooting for. Because we can say one thing with our mouth, but our hearts will tell what we really want because our actions will follow our heart. And so they were attempting to stop the one in which God had sent to save the world because he was a threat to what they had going on. He was a threat to what they wanted to do. But even still, even after them, the wicked men, even after the wicked men nailing him to the cross, what I really love is that Peter is still at a place where he is witnessing to these people. He's witnessing to the people who, with the help of wicked men, nailed Jesus to the cross. And so there's always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity for a second chance. There's always an opportunity for somebody to be reconciled back to Christ. He was being a witness. And that just also goes display to display the divinity of God, because who in our humanity is going to forgive somebody that has killed our child, that has done something wrong to our child, that uh, let's not even go there because that's pretty deep. Let's say that that owes us five or ten dollars. We're holding grudges with people that owe us about five or ten dollars. We're holding grudges against people that took our boyfriend or girlfriend in high school. We're holding grudges against people that didn't speak to us the last time we saw them. Yet, being a witness of Jesus, he is uh, allowing the, the disciples to witness to the people that handed him over to the wicked men, the people that nailed him to the cross. They still deserve that grace. They still deserve that second chance. And so we have to remember that although there are people that have done wrong, although there are people that don't get it right, although there are people that uh, are doubting and may even be laughing at us, maybe there's people that's questioning us. Remember, Jesus died for them too. And so he's being the witness in which he was called to be. He's being that mouthpiece for Jesus. He's being the man that God has called him to, to be. And he's doing it in such a way that the people will be able to receive and understand what he is talking about. They're doing, he's doing it in such a way that it all points to Jesus and never, nothing to him. And so we have to remember when we are being the witnesses, when we are being witnesses for Jesus, when we are being the witness that we are called to be, because we're all called to be witnesses, 
When we are being the witness, we have to make sure that we're watching our words, that our heart is right, that we're being kind, that we're being compassionate, and that we are speaking Jesus, that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in our witness, that we are pointing people to Jesus and not ourselves. Because if we don't do that, then it's not the gospel. And so we have to remember who our focus is, and what we are called to do. But in 24, it says, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So he's also letting him know, You all may have joined with wicked men to nail him to the cross, but remember, God gave him to you. God knew this. And because God authorized it, God controlled the narrative. You see, they thought he was going to stay in the tomb. They thought they had put an end to Jesus. They thought it was over. But the same God that delivered him to death delivered him from death. Death could not hold him down because Jesus is life. He may have bore our pain temporarily. He may have went through the agony of death, but it was impossible for him to stay in it. He may have experienced separation and pain for a moment, but he was not able to stay in it because he was Jesus. When Jesus is in, when we are in alignment with Jesus, we will not be separated from God. We will not have to experience the pain that separation from God brings. And so he experienced that pain. But guess what? God was in control. God's motives were never to keep him there. It was only a part of the process which Jesus had to follow, which leads me to this. We are going to go through some stuff, some painful stuff. We are going to go through some painful stuff. If we look at Jesus and we're becoming like Jesus and we're going through the process to do what God has called us to do, there is going to be some painful things that we have to go through. But you see, Jesus had the same power, the same power that kept Jesus on the cross, the same Jesus, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power within us. So sometimes we may be going through some things and it may feel like that we can't take it anymore. The pain may feel so unbearable. But if we remember that if we stay connected to Jesus, if we allow the word to transform our heart, if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, if we release our emotions in a healthy way and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, we will get through anything that comes our way. Why? Because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that is in us. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so we have that same power. We have that power within us. And that same power that's in us, that same power that assists us is the same power that can assist others. But we have to be witnesses. We have to be witnesses of that power. We have to be. We have to be. And so in verses 25 through 28, it says, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope 
because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So now we have here Peter quoting. He was quoting David from Psalm 16 verses 8 through 11. What Peter is doing here is he's speaking the word. He's speaking truth to them now. He's speaking to them something that they have already heard. We must know the word in order to speak the word. And because he knew the word, he was able to speak it to them. Words in which they had previously heard. He knew that they had a respect for David. And so he's, 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 uh, he's pointing them back to somebody he knew that they respected. Someone that he knew that they were aware of. And so what David is basically saying here in a prophetic way is he's basically letting them know that uh, he Jesus knew that God was before him. He knew that God was leading him. He knew that each and every path in which he was taking, God was uh, right there with him. He knew that his strength was coming from the Lord above his right hand, the hand of power. So he knew he had God's presence and he knew he had God's power. But then the part that I really like is that he was his heart was glad and his tongue rejoiced and his body also uh, was resting in hope. He had peace. Even knowing everything that was going to happen, he knew and was looking forward to the end because he knew the end was going to be greater than the beginning and the middle. And so he had great expectation and he had great peace about what he was going through because he knew what the end result was going to be. He knew that he was not going to be abandoned or left too long in the grave. And he knew he knew that God was always going to be with him. So here we have David quoting that. And so Peter, he's reminding them, remember what David said about him? Because remember, he's still talking about Jesus. And he's letting them know this is what David said. Do y'all remember? And how many of us seeing death and suffering coming is going to rejoice or have hope? We're not. And so what he's telling them here is, look, David also talked about him. Not only did you all see what he did, not only did you all witness, but then remember David talked about him. And then going down in 29 through 21, it says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. So in the previous verses where um, David is talking because he said, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead and you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. So those verses there um, basically is saying, my body is not going to decay. You're not going to leave me here. And what Peter is saying here now is that we all know that David is still, he's in the grave. His bones are there. So we know that David is not talking about himself. But I like the fact that he approached after he said what David said, he approached them again with respect and care. He says, fellow Israelites. He understood that they knew and respected David. So he was attempting to give them clarity and not offend them. He didn't want to diminish them, but he is wanting them to get a better understanding. Because why? 
He's witnessing. He's being that witness for Jesus. So he made it clear that David was dead. David wasn't talking about himself, but David was speaking as the prophet that he was. David was speaking into the future. He was speaking and he knew that one of his descendants would be on the throne, which was Jesus, but it wasn't going to be him. He wasn't going to be the savior. And so Peter, he was able to confidently speak those things to them. Because he knew the word and he knew what Jesus had uh, told them and he knew what he saw. And so he was able to confidently be the witness that he was called to be. And so we must remember that we are all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be witnesses. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And so we're called to be witnesses, but we're called to be witnesses for Jesus, not witnesses for ourselves or anything else. And then in verse 32, it says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. So now he's concluding with God has raised Jesus, this Jesus and who I just described to you that uh, who I just explained, you were witnesses to the work that he done. The one that I just explained to you uh, or described to you, the words that David spoke about him. God raised this Jesus to life. And now what we're seeing today, we're witnesses of him being raised to life. This is the result of him being raised to life. And we're witnesses of this today. And so some of the things that we are experiencing in the world and some of the things that we have going on in our lives is because we are able, because Jesus rose from the dead, we are able to get through certain situations and we are able to look to the future. We are able to have peace because God raised Jesus from the dead. We know that there is a future that God holds that the world don't hold. We know that there's a future that God holds that the government does not hold. We know that God God holds our future and we have been and are witnesses of that today. So I, I, I challenge us this morning. I challenge us to be the witnesses that God has called us to be. Be the witnesses, humble ourselves and be the witnesses in which God has called us to be because we have the power to do it. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So my question is, will you be a witness? Amen. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions and ministry. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Baptist Church located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information, visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week.